Since I cannot pick a verse of a song that Lowe left out, That song describes you. And are you happy with that choice? This parable that Jesus gave and that we just read immediately follows the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins. While both parables relate to the kingdom of God, and especially anticipation of the Lord's return, there is a key difference there. The first stresses the need to be prepared, the wise virgins, and the latter, the need to be productive, the ones given the five and the two talents. The first parable emphasizes the watching being alert for when the bridegroom would come. And the latter, the working you've been given, are you using what you have been given, working for the Lord? In both parables, we learn what should characterize those who eagerly wait for the coming of the Lord. Do you anticipate it? Do you eagerly desire it to come? And how can we best apply what the Lord is teaching in this parable? The parable is a man who's about to travel to a far country, distributes his goods, described as talents, among his servants. And one thing we need to be reminded of, one that he gave to each one according to his ability, Two is to remember how God gives. You look over in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. The Lord gives, it's pressed down, overflowing, abundance. God gives generously. God gives in abundance. And he's giving the talents to the servants along the way. Paul reminds us in Ephesians 3 and verse 20 that our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. That's how God gives, exceedingly abundantly beyond what we would ask or even think. And it is according to the power that is within us. That's how God gives. And as we're looking at this parable, that's how we need to be mindful of the Lord and his giving. And as, particularly as we look at the one-talent man, and as we look at his response back to the master, how do we view what God gives? How do we see what we have received from God? Do we see it as he's a harsh master, that he requires more than we're able to give? Is that our view of God? That's how the one-talent man was viewing what he had been giving. He's the master, the owner of much, evidently. 
He's going on a, a journey and will be gone for a period of time. And he's going to give to three of his servants some money to handle while he is gone. The talent here, we oftentimes will use it in our capabilities of doing something. But in this particular case, a talent is a measure of money. One talent, because the figures vary from time zone or from uh, periods of time down through from the beginning down to where we are now. But basically, one talent is the equivalent to what an average man could earn in 20 years. You need to be mindful of that when you give the one talent man or gave the one servant one talent. He gave him the equivalent of 20 years wages to handle and to manage. Did he have faith in the man? The five talent man, you multiply that by five and you catch a glimpse, I mean, of the massness of the money that was being exchanged or given to a servant to handle while the master is gone. It talks about the trust. It talks about the confidence. Again, going back to verse 15. He gave to each one according to his own ability. The one talent man had the ability to handle 20 years wages. And he was expected to handle that. How does God give? Give. Oh, I don't have any talents. I don't I cannot find one talent that I'm able to do. How does God give to each one? He gives generously, he gives abundantly. Not only does he give us, he also empowers us to use what he has given to us. So basically he's saying that we have no excuse along the way. Then the master returns after a long period of time. The servants give back to the master, the first two. And there seems to be some excitement. He says, look, you gave us five, gave me five, and I've gained five more talents. Look what I've been able to do. And the two-talent man says, same thing, look what, we've, what I've done. You gave me two, and I've gained two more. But it's that one-talent man. Again, from a generous master, from a generous master who had confidence in the servant to whom he was entrusting goods, a measure, a great measure of money. You can handle it. You can deal with it. You can use it. But he was afraid. And do we sometimes, if we're not careful, where are we in that song? Are we at none of all of self and none of thee. I see God as a harsh master. I see him expecting from us greater than what we can give. He's expecting more of us than we can come up with. But he gives the power and the ability with which to handle what he's given to us. Uh, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Wow. 
He's talking about God. The reference is being made as, uh, for us if we go back to God. Do we see God as a hard man? Reaping where he has not sown? Do we not realize all that we have comes from him in the first place? And we call him a hard man because he's expecting a lot more out of us than we are willing to give. How many times does that apply to us? Well, I'm not able to do that. I mentioned to the auditorium class this morning, I says, you know, was what we've been able to do with the life that we've lived so far, would we have believed it would have been possible for us to do that when we were five years old? No. We're given time. We're given opportunities. We're given time to try and fail, try again. You know why the product is called WD-40? Because the first 39 tries didn't work. The 40th tried work. So he just named it WD-40. You're going to try. You may fail. Most of the time we're going to fail somewhere along the line. But how do we view God? And how do we view what he's entrusted to us that we do not see currently? And how will we discover what we have currently if we're not willing to use what he's already given to us? How do we view God along the way? I hid your money in the ground. Lord, here is what you have given to me. He said, if you knew that, at least you're going to put the money in the bank and have drawn some interest. Whatever it is, you understand that he has given some money. He said, if you were afraid to invest it, put it in the bank, let it draw some interest and return that to me. You've got something you can do. There's a way that we can serve God along the way. He calls him a wicked and a lazy servant. A wicked and lazy. I'm not willing to try. How many times do we hear that? I want you to do something. No, no, I cannot do that. I don't even want to try to do that. Whatever it is. Do we not trust God? Do we not believe God works within our lives? To everyone who has been given, more will be given. And he will have abundance. But he from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken. You've got something. He said, I can't do anything. You've got something you can do for the Lord. It may be a small thing. But you never know the good that it will do. There's a, there are a number of you out there that send cards to one another to those that are sick or lost loved ones and so forth. may not seem like much, but those who have received the cards will tell you otherwise. They will tell you how it's brightened their day, how it has encouraged them, how they were grateful that you thought enough to at least send them a card. There, are, there is something that we can do and the thing is, realize that whatever it is that we do, that's not the end of it. That we will grow. 
and there will be other opportunities made along the way. Be faithful in using what opportunities for service that you have been given. That's an application out of there. Use what you have the opportunity to do. It may not seem like much. But God gives according to our ability. And we use, they, they multiply on out. And sometimes, I don't know, that may not be the reason we do not want to try. Because if I try and it works, guess what? There are going to be other opportunities given to us. And we're going to get to try those and they're going to work. And before you know it, you have a life full of service to God. That's when you get to verse 4. None of self and all of thee. There are stages we go through and you have to decide there again, where are you? Are you none, all of self and none of thee? Or some of self and some of thee? Less of self and more of thee? Do we reach that point where it's none of self and all of thee? Do I realize that I'm God's? I live in His world. He designed me. He made me. He knows what I'm capable of doing long, long, long before I ever realized what I might be capable of doing. And then for me to realize as well, I'm capable of doing more. To whom much has been given, much is going to be required. We're simply servants of God. The talents we have have been given to us. We've been entrusted with them. We are His servants. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 4, verses 6 and 7, What do you have that you have not received? What do you have that you have not received? And if you received it, why do you act like you have not received it? Whatever you have, you have received from God. And as the old refrigerator sticker used to say a long time ago, God made me, and God doesn't make junk. Sometimes we need to listen to that. God made me. And I promise you, God does not make junk. You are of value. You are of worth to God. He made you. He formed you. He shaped you. He has a purpose for you. And ours is to find it. Sometimes it is trial and error. Sometimes it's multiple trials and errors. But we have a purpose. We have a function. We have a goal to glorify God and the body on which he has given to us. Again, according to our ability, he gave So we know that what it is that we can find, we can do those things. See more and more of that as time goes by, and it's good to see. Even though at times watching those commercials cripple children is hard to watch. But if you've ever been around them, you see a different life. I mean, you see children, if you see those commercials, have you been to a Shriners Hospital, 
Cripples Children's Hospital. You've been to a burn center. You see a totally different attitude than I see out in the world. They feel blessed. And they feel they can do. That they're not limited. They encourage one another. And if you ever watch them, see them encourage one another with what they're going through, it tugs at the heart. And how can I complain about what God has asked me to do? The body's not perfect. The mind may not be perfect. But they have a love for life and a love for others and a desire to share that with one another and with others along the way. In a day of judgment, the number of talents that you have really is not going to matter. What is going to matter is have you been faithful in the use of those talents? Doesn't matter if it's five, two, one talent. Have you been faithful in the use of what you've been entrusted with by a loving God who gave his son to die in your stead? And God is not expecting immediate returns. He gave the talents to the servants, and then he was gone for a period of time for him for them to, to grow along the way and to use what have, they have been entrusted with. Not immediate results. Sometimes that's what we want. How many times have we tried something? I tried it once. It didn't work. I'm not going to try it again. Some cases that may be all right. In some cases, it's not. Because we never know again what we'll be able to do with what we have been given along the way. Everything should be done with a view that one day there's a day of reckoning. One day. What you do today, there's a day of reckoning. There's a day of answering. And you you just think about standing before the creator of the universe without the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a frightening day. But it's a frightening day to have and not have used what God has given to me. Are we willing to use indeed what God has given to us? We do not all have the same talents, but we all have ability. Do we use what we have been given?
Sometimes we've got multiple talents. That's good. Someone may only have one talent. And again, if you just have what you may consider that one talent, that may seem insignificant. Do you realize the value for the talent here? They gave to the one, one talent, 20 years of wages. That's just one. Is that not an abundance for a servant to have received that responsibility from the master? For the master to have the confidence in that servant that he could use that talent to bring results. Even if it was just interest to bring results. How can we believe that we don't have that? That there's not something within us that we have that we can give in the service to God that is of worth. Well, this is all I can do. Sometimes you hear people say, well, I cannot do much, but I can pray for you. That's the least I can do is pray. Now, do you realize the value of prayer? The fervent righteous prayer of a righteous man avails much. You never know, because that's impossible, you never know the power of the prayers that you have offered unto God. Because you'll never be able to see the life without that have taken place. We may think we have a difficult time. We may think we have a rough time. We may think we have problems to deal with that seem overwhelming to us at times. But we do not understand or we sometimes forget where we are right now is because of the love of God. It is because of the love of brothers and sisters in Christ. Because of their love for us that they've upheld us in their prayers so that life is where it is and not where it may have been. And if it is because of the prayers, how can I not want to share that with those with whom I may come in contact with as well? Sometimes the talents take time to develop. Not do it well the first time. Sometimes it's way down the road before we're able to do and to use what we've been given. Sometimes it not work and we can try others. Sometimes we're grateful and sometimes you're grateful for some of us who have tried to want and believe we're better doing something else than leading singing. But I'm grateful for those that lead the singing. And you are too. Uh, we have to try to trust God. You know, no one ever starts out perfect the first time, be it teaching, be it preaching, be it singing, be it visiting. Don't know what to say. Do we trust God? Oftentimes it's not what you say, it's the fact that you're there. So many things that we can do. All the things we can do for the Master. 
that we but try and to serve him. Sometimes we ask others. Played a clarinet through high school, the marching band. I know where the notes go. I know basically how long you're supposed to hold some of them. But it does not mean that my voice follows what I know to be the case. So I'm just happy making the joyful noise unto the Lord. So it may not be joyful to you, but it's okay with me. My noise that I make is going to God, praising Him, giving thanks to Him. Do we look at life that way? It doesn't matter how others view it. What matters is how God sees it, how God receives it. This is a child who out of love wants to serve. This is a child who out of love wants to love and wants to share. And it's always a joy to be around those you've known for years. I've heard that many, many times down through time. Somebody come across a brother or sister and they find out what they're doing now and they look at them and say, never would have thought that to be the case of you. Uh, you'd ever do that. But see, it goes back to Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Our God, He is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to that power that works within us. Amen. Grateful for that. What were you hearing that day? That well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master? Or were we here, you wicked and lazy servant? Not just wicked, but lazy. Can't do anything? I'm not going to do anything. Don't want to do anything. Depart from me. to that eternal torment. What God will do with you in that day of judgment does depend upon what you do in service to the kingdom now. It has a bearing. How do you look towards the kingdom or for that final day of judgment? As a child of God who loves and serves from the heart, that day of judgment is a day of reward. No dread, no fear. But if I know and do not do, James tells me in James 4, 7, 17. To know and not to do is sin. And no sin enters heaven. What are you doing with the life God has given to you? 
Again, where are you in that song? None of self and all of thee? That an apt description of your life? Or is there a need to change? It may be that the invitation song is what you need to hear. Come to Jesus. He'll receive you. Come to him. He'll give you the life that you need. Your life is not where it needs to be. If you need to make a change in your life, if we could assist you, we could help you in any way. Indeed, we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.